We're going to get started today, and uh, like I said, this message with foolishness, last week I actually started with this idea that I explained all these really horribly embarrassing moments in my life. I'm not going to do that today. So I'm sorry if you missed it, you're going to have to go back and listen to a podcast about, hear about my highlights of my most horrible moments, moments in my life, but um, today we're just going to get started about the idea that foolishness, obviously each one of us has moments that we've definitely been foolish. Nobody really likes to talk about it. Nobody really wants to remember it. We all like to forget it and pretend it never happened. But all of us have moments in our lives when we are extremely foolish and we really have moments of regret. Um, A lot of times we recognize it as soon as we did it. We're like, oh man, that was really so dumb. I shouldn't have done that. That was so foolish. But that actually is wisdom in itself a little bit that you recognize it. You know, there's a whole lot of people walking around this world that don't even recognize that they're fools. They don't even know. They're just like so foolish they don't even get it. So a fool by definition is a person who lacks judgment or sense. We all know those people. I'm sure that's none of you out there. You're all wise and you're not lacking anything. But actually the world is filled with fools. And last week I spoke to you about, the fool, about fools and I read you the scripture. It's Psalm 14, 1, and it says, Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil, and not one of them does good. So God obviously wants us to understand that we should really desire to know God. Because if we don't, really, we're foolish. Because we have this amazing gift, this opportunity that we have a God that is willingly comes into our heart and lives there and forgives us our sins, and we have an opportunity that we can pray to him and seek him. The God that created the heavens and the earth and the God who gave us all these beautiful things, he also wants to have a a relationship with us. So really to not know God is really foolish in itself. And I explained last week that God, what he does is he uses this foolish message, and then he goes and he finds foolish people that the world would consider foolish, And he tells us to go tell this foolish message to more foolish people. So really, the whole thing is about reaching fools and using fools and a foolish message that just sounds absolutely ridiculous to a lot of the people that walk this earth. Obviously, this message is the good news. It's the gospel. It's this understanding that we had a God who created all things, but then he came willingly and came to this earth as a human and became 100% man and experienced everything that we experience. And when I say that he had every opportunity to do everything wrong, like a lot of times we choose to, but he was a God that was perfect and never, ever sinned. So when it came time for God to die, he could not die because he had no sin. Sin was what separates us from God. So what he did was he went to the cross and he put upon all our sins from past history to present day to future. Everything that you will ever done, did today, and is go- are going to do, all of that has been put upon him and he willingly took it to the cross and died in your place. And you're like, okay, so you're telling me that this God came to earth, became a man, and he never, ever sinned, ever. And then he took all the sins, not just like for today, but every sin that every person in humanity will ever, ever commit, and put it on him, and then died. And then not only died, but then rose again. I know, it just sounds foolish, doesn't it? You're like, it just doesn't make sense. But you see, the world thinks it's foolish. To us, it's genius. We see that he found the loophole. 
the cosmic loophole and how we can all now die and then live again with him in eternity. So it really seems foolish, but it's actually very, very wise. So what happens is we have these people who don't know God, don't ever really accept that message. They don't feel that. They don't know that. So a lot of times they walk through life probably in fear. A lot of times really um, in a lot of insecurity. Because I can tell you, there's a whole lot that comes with when we follow after God, we feel this sense of peace, a sense of joy that you never experience until after you come to Christ. And everybody still goes through struggles, yes. It's not like all of a sudden you become a believer and everything is just peaches and cream and it's beautiful and there's rainbows and butterflies around you. That's not how it is. But there's something deep inside of us that we have the security and this knowledge and this freedom that comes from following after God. But God's word says if you don't know him, it's foolishness. So we have those people that God would consider foolish. But then we have other foolish misbehavior and and really that you see in the world and and we also see modeled for us in the Bible. And you see some people that don't feel that they need God. And then you have those that don't really understand who God is also. They have a misconception of who they believe that God is and how he's modeled for us. See, the thing is what God did for each one of us is he didn't make it mandatory that you come to follow after him. He made it your choice. He gave us all free will. So each one of us has the opportunity to come to him and accept it or deny it. That's our choice. That's one of the reasons why we actually don't believe in um, baby baptism, because the fact is we think it's a choice that you make to follow after God. It's something that you choose to do. And obviously, we would love as parents to have our, make all the decisions for our children, do we not? <laughs> all of us parents, we always think we know better. But the thing is, every single person has to make the choice for themselves whether or not they're going to accept or deny. There's an old saying that says God has no grandchildren. And it's totally true. He only has children. So it's up to you whether or not you believe it and live it and love him. So obviously, we have this free will. And it causes us to want us to really rule our own lives and make our own decisions and and plan for ourselves all the things that we want instead of what God wants. A lot of times we think we know better than God. We think God just doesn't know my circumstance. If he knew my circumstance, he'd understand the things in the way I do these things. He'd understand better. And a lot of times what we do is we don't really allow God to rule over us, that he could become our king. And I think that's where we get into trouble. A lot of times we really have a hard time submitting. I think that we have really uh, an air of pride in this world that we really don't want to listen to a lot of people. That's why people quit jobs. That's why people have struggles over and over again a lot of times because they really refuse to submit. And following after Christ causes you to really learn submission very well because you realize that he is in control and it's really his plan not our plan that's going to be the one that's going to actually become more successful in our life. We think that this happens all just today. This is the world that we live in, and these are the choices that are happening today. But it it was no different in God's time. It was no different. It was exactly when Jesus was walking this earth, he had people that still thought they knew better and thought that their plan was better. And it happened even in Adam and Eve. I mean, they thought they knew better. Here they are, they're friends with God. They're walking hand in hand with God in the Garden of Eden. And you you hear a little whisper you should eat from that tree. And they're like, we're not supposed to eat from that tree. You don't need to listen to him. Because if you eat from the tree, he just doesn't want you to be as wise as he is. That's why. So just, you know, you should eat it anyway. And she's like, yeah, that's it. 
See, the thing is, we've always had this desire inside of ourselves that we want to be as wise as God. We want to think that we can be on that same level as him. It's never going to happen. God is not our equal. He is our friend, but he's never going to be your equal. Years ago, we had that whole time where everybody was wearing the Jesus is my homeboy shirt. And a lot of people felt that was very disrespectful. I mean, I get what they were going with, with the fact that, you know what, he's a friend. But the problem is the fact that he really is above us. He's our leader. He's our ruler. He's our king. And see, that really, a lot of times, you may be even right now thinking that you, there's a pushback in your spirit. There's like, ah, I don't know if I want to really call my God king. But that's what he really wants to be. Romans 1, and 22 says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So there's a lot of times that we forget how good God is in our life. We do forget to thank him. I mean, thanking God is, has this amazing way of, of strengthening your relationship with him. When you get up and you look at the things that you have and you're thankful at that moment of the things that you've been blessed with and, and really you really think about who God is, you know, if you do that, your life would work so much better because you see that it's not about putting yourself on the altar, it's about putting God on the altar. But there are there's so many misconceptions about God. And there's one that's really, really big, and it's throughout churches everywhere. It's this idea that God just wants us to be happy. And that's not the case. God wants us to be joyful. And that is, you know, sometimes joy comes in the midst of sorrow. It's this deep sense of security and knowledge that God has your back. But it's not necessarily going to be happiness. It's not going to be that everything is beautiful and wonderful at all times. It doesn't happen that way in the world. We know that the, the Bible tells us the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. So just because you're a believer doesn't mean everything is going to go perfectly well for you. There's going to be experiences you're going to go through that are going to be very, very trying and in a trial in your life. But the thing, if we hold on to him, it's a deep sense of joy and this idea that you can get through anything with God's help. He doesn't really care about our happiness as much as he cares about our holiness. And if we keep that right perspective... If we keep the perspective of the fact that we have this God who created the heavens and the earth, and, and yet he, you know, is so much of an amazing God and a king, but yet lives inside of our heart, it's a humbling experience. You know, the thing is, God might really never desire for you to have everything that you want. And that's tough for people. Because a lot of people will follow after God if they think he's going to give them everything that they want. But if you start to say, God, what if you don't want me to have this, but you're still willing to serve him anyway, that's when it actually really changes. A long, long time ago, I listened to uh, Pete and Judy Briscoe. I remember when she came to Christ, she was in college, and she said she'd always wanted to have a family. She always wanted to, to you know, be a wife and a mom. And the lady that led her to Christ said, well, what if God said to you that you can never become a wife and a mother? Would you still serve God? And she said, it was a real struggle for her to say yes. And over time, she, she came to the knowledge that, yes, she did believe that. She believed that she could actually do that. But it's humbling to think that God's in control. We love to be in control. But it's foolishness, really, to believe that we control everything when we know that God is in control. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power, 
or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's utter foolishness to think that you control your life and that you have the power to live it and to die in the way that you imagine it to happen. All of us would love to think, okay, I am this age, and I'm going to live this long, and I'm going to put this much money away, and my kids are going to do this, and everything's going to go great. Not necessarily. Thing is, if you put a lot of money away, it could be lost in an instant. You could have everything that you thought you always wanted, and somebody could leave. Somebody could be taken from you. This world is a really topsy-turvy place, and nothing is a guarantee. So what you have to have is you have to have a guarantee that you hold on to, and that's Jesus. You have to have that anchor, something that you can hold on to tight in the midst of all the storms that are going to happen. You have to ask yourself, a lot of times when you have that mindset that you're in control, who's fooling who? Who's fooling who? I think you're fooling yourself if you think that you have some sort of control, that you have something that you're doing that's going to control your destiny. I mean, you can do the best plans. You can lay them all up and, and figure them all out, but there's nothing saying that it's all going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. There's a perfect example of a fool who believed this in the Bible, and uh, he thought he had it all figured out too, but then God showed him in the blink of an eye that he wasn't in as much of control as he thought he was. And it's Luke 12, 15 through 21. It says, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You cannot out-success God, you cannot out-earn God, and you cannot out-relationship God. The things that you put in place before God can be taken away like that. This we experienced just a couple years ago with John's, my husband's John's mom. Um, she loved antiquing. She loved to have things. And she treasured these things. And it was really a sad moment when, you know, we thought she would be here for years to come. She had a simple cough. And within four months, she had died. And it was just so difficult to watch all these treasures that she had, that she loved so much, that she just kept for herself and enjoyed be boxed up and taken to an auction. The things that she treasured really had no meaning later. I mean, we all pick things that we thought, yeah, this is meaningful and it means something because it's a memory of her. But for the most part, you realize you cannot take it with you. You cannot take it with you. So what is your thing? What really means something to you? Things or God? People that can be gone in an instant or God. God will never leave you. He says he'll never forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. We all have failed relationships. We think somebody would never walk away from us. People that promised and vowed. 
There's no promise. There's no promise. Only the promise of God. What happens is I think is a lot of people live the same way that this man did. They believe that they're in control and it's just an illusion. And this guy suffered from what a lot of people do today to be claim, that even claim um, when they're following God, they claim this. They have this I, I'll, my, myself disease. Everything's about me. It's all about me. It's all about what my desire is. See, God says that's not how you're supposed to live. He says it's really about others. We're supposed to be an example. We're supposed to show people how it is to come close to God. That's what we're supposed to do. But when it's all encompassing you, me, what I'm getting, what's about me, what I'm going to make, what I'm going to earn, what I'm going to have, it's more of a distraction to others that are watching you on the outside. Like I say, we're about being an example. So this guy thought he had it all figured out, and he had all the time in the world to just sit back and enjoy. Now, I'm sure you've heard the old phrase, eat, drink, and be merry. You might not have known it came from the Bible. The fact that this is actually, you know, people are always like, oh, eat, drink, and be merry. And, and God's Bible, he says, that was not a good thing. That was a bad thing. Eat, drink, and be merry is not so good. When someone next time says, man, eat, eat drink, and be merry, you're going to be like, ah, oh, not a good thing. The guy died that night. <laughs> not a good thing. But, you know, the thing is we have a false sense of security a lot of times in our things and in our people and in our money. So you have to understand that there is no guarantee for any of us. None of us knows what the future holds for each one of us. We have no promise. Case in point, last week. I had a plan last week that did not go the way I intended it to go. I thought that, you know, on Wednesday when I didn't prepare my message, I thought, it's okay, I'll just do it Thursday. No big deal. And then a tornado hit. (laughs) You do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. And of that old, old phrase that was given to me and all of us when we were kids, you know, never put off tomorrow what you should do today, ran through my mind. Because I will tell you, when there's like 25 people who are giving up their time and energy and they're sweating and working so hard to be so kind and to bless you because they're, they're cleaning your property and helping to clean up after a tornado in mine and Cameron's yards, you can't just leave and say, see you guys, I'm going to go do the pastor thing and sit down in air conditioning and I'm going to write my message now. It doesn't work that way. So, of course, I didn't leave, stayed till 5, and then I did a 12.30 at night kind of thing and then drank a medium coffee and a large iced coffee, so I didn't sleep for, like, that whole day. (laughs) But hopefully this makes sense. I was really worried about that. You know, you get done, sometimes you're thinking, I use a lot of caffeine. I hope it really actually makes sense when I got done. But, you know, a lot of times our plans don't go the way we intended. You know, I had big plans. I thought, oh, John, we're gonna, he's going to come home early. We're going to make dinner. We're going to watch a movie. And then the sirens went off. And then you know what? You realize all those things that you even like, you know, the house that I just cleaned before because I'm a little obsessive compulsive. I'm a, I'm a clean freak, guys. I'm sorry. But everything was clean. And I thought to myself after the tornado went by, and it really was just the outside, and I walked through my house and I thought, God, you're good. You are so good because there's nothing to even pick up. <laughs> And I was like, this is so great. God is so good. But you realize that everything could have been destroyed in an instant. Everything that I spent that day cleaning and doing could have all been blown away in an instant. There's no promise. None of us have a promise that all the things you're getting and all the things you have are going to last forever. The one thing that will is your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
that will never fade. It will never go away, and you'll never lose it as long as you keep holding tight. You hold tight to him, he'll never let your hand go. But you know, the thing is, we just have a hard time with that. We have a hard time with it. We say we're going to follow God, but then a lot of times we can get, just get off the path again. And truly, all we can really do is live each day and live it with the knowledge of God and try to serve him and respect God. But we have to remember that what we have is because he's given it to us. If you're here today and you're breathing, if you're inhaling and exhaling, it's because he's allowing you to do it. If you have things, if you have pretty things, if you have beautiful children, if you have beautiful spouse and you have all these things, you have it because God allowed you to have it. Everything you have has been given to you because he's allowed you to have it. And it could be taken away in an instant. So what are you holding on to? What's in front of your relationship with God? What do you constantly put in place before God? I think sometimes what we do is we hold on tight to those things that really don't matter. Those things that really aren't going to make a difference in the great scheme of things. And we hold on tight. And a lot of times we think we, we want what's best for ourselves and it's like, we want this, God, and that's it. But you know, the thing is, a lot of times those things can be taken from us. He can say, you know, I'm going to pry it out of your hands. If you won't give it to me, I'm going to pry it out of your hands. He looks into our heart what he does and he, he sees inside of us the things that maybe we put in front of our relationship. And I think a lot of times, like I say, a lot of people get caught up on the outside, which maybe you're wearing to go to church or, you know, how you show up to church. That doesn't matter because I really believe that God looks into our heart. And the thing is, a lot of times people think if they shine up enough on the outside that he can't see on the inside. And see, we know that that's not true because if you read God's word, you can see that he even sees inside of our minds. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything that's there. So we can never outwit him. We can never do those things like, you know, he can, he can see I'm all spiffy here, and he's like, I see that there. Sorry. I think that a lot of times we just don't understand that God is in control. There's a saying that I always used with the kids when I did youth ministry for all the years that I've done it, and I still do ask students on Tuesday. Um, did Cameron mention we don't have ask students on Tuesday? I don't know if he did, but if we don't have ex students on Tuesday, just so you guys know. Um, but there's something that I always shared with the kids when they were growing up. And I, it's something that I still say today, and some people don't really always get it. And a lot of times I don't even explain it because I don't even think about it because it just comes out. But a lot of times we're like, hey, Deb, are you going to go here? And I'm like, DV. And they're like, okay. I'm like, it means Deo Valente. It means God willing. It's whether or not God will allow me to do it, I'll do it. Amy and I are heading out tomorrow, DV, going to Austin, Deo Valente, God willing. Do we know if we're sure we're going tomorrow? No. We think we're going tomorrow, but God willing, we're going tomorrow. See, the thing is, it's this idea that when we say these things, when we do these things, these little reminders that we remind ourselves over and over again, we're not in control. God's in control. It's whether or not he wills it. Our will should take a backseat to God's will. And in our world, that doesn't take place. We have this, our will first. We want to do what we want. That's what we're all about. James 4, 13 through 16 says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. 
How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. You're like, wow, that's pretty hardcore. So when I say I'm going to do something next week that's evil, God says, yeah, maybe. Maybe you should think about it. Maybe God has a little stricter uh, idea of what we should be saying, the words that come out of our mouth, how we phrase things, how we do things. But really, what he's really trying to get us to understand is that if you think you have it all figured out, it's foolishness. It's just foolishness in, his, in your eyes to think that you have everything mapped out the way you'd like it to be. Well, finally, I'd like to end with one of the saddest points that's referenced about foolishness in the Bible, where God tells us in 2 Peter 2 through 20 through 22 in the message translation this time. It says, If they'd escaped from the slum of sin by experiencing our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then slid back into that same old life again, they're worse than if they had never left. Better not to have started out on the straight road to God than to start out and then turn back. Repudiating the experience and the holy command, they prove the point of the Proverbs, a dog goes back to its own vomit and a scrubbed up pig heads for the mud. You're like, wow, that's really fun to hear about today. But he's making a real big point. The fact that that is what happens, isn't it? We've all seen it if you've been around a dog. You've all seen pigs that, love, pigs that love to wallow in the mud. But what God's saying there is if you know the truth and the truth has set you free, this idea that you'd want to go back and that you'd want to do that again, to go back to that lifestyle, that's utter foolishness to ever want to go back. A lot of people, though, what happens is they start to follow up to God and they really can't break free of the patterns that they've always had in their lives. So what happens is they go through the same experience, another experience happens, and they go back and they fall into that same pattern of bad behavior, bad choices. Things that they said they'd never, ever do again, they find themselves doing again. You know, it's scientifically proven that the habits that we have are actually, like, drug into our brain. They're like ruts on a road. We have to fight that. You ever see a car go down a road that has ruts? Your tires want to fall into the ruts, and they want to follow that same trail. Same thing will happen to you. What God wants you to do is make new ruts. Make new ruts. Change your plans. Start to make different choices in your life. Don't keep following the same plans, the ones that trip you up over and over again. As soon as life gets tough, don't keep doing the same dumb things over and over again because it's a fool. It's a fool. A fool, I think, really knows sometimes that they're going the wrong way. They know it. Deep down inside them, they're like, ah, I know I shouldn't be doing this. But yet there's something inside them that still has them do it. And I think it's just because it's comfortable. It's just comfortable. And a lot of times what happens is our sins, they're actually even more appealing than God is. And that's a sad statement, but it's true. You know, Henry Cloud has a, a really great quote here it says we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing see when it starts to hurt a lot when you keep acting and doing the same things that you're doing and maybe your life is falling apart and people all around you their lives are falling apart because of you if you start to feel that pain enough you may change 
you may start to change. The consequences in our life, the fallout, the catastrophes a lot of times when they happen, that's what actually causes us to change. You know, it's sad because a lot of times we hear all the time, you'll be on Facebook, you'll be someplace reading a book and they'll say, why would a God ever allow such horrible things to happen in the world? It's to get you to look up. If everything went perfectly, I'm not sure any of us would look up and even notice God. The thing is, we have to sometimes go through some catastrophes and consequences and have tough times in our life because it actually is what makes us come closer to God. And I know that's what happened to me. I don't know if I would ever pay attention to God except for the fact of going through horrible depression. And then God used that to make me put my eyes on him instead of myself. It's, it's that moment when you realize it's like, I think I have everything that I always wanted. I have a husband who loves me. I have two great kids. I had a great dog, and I had a house, and it wasn't working. I wasn't happy. And I was like, why is it that it's not working? And I realized now is because he said, this is not what's going to make you happy. It's not what's going to do it. What it's going to be is if you follow me, you'll have joy. You're going to have something that's way better than happiness. It's going to be life-sustaining. It's going to go on forever. And then when he did that, for me, he changed my, my life, and he, he gave me an eternal place to live with him. He not only changed me, but he changed my husband, and he changed my kids. That's joy, man. I can never look at a simple thing as happiness. That is joy. That's something when you go to bed at night, you lay your head down on the pillow and you're like, thank you, Jesus, that I have kids that love you. That is amazing to be able to say that and to know that he's there for them like he's there for me. There's a couple phrases that a lot of times people throw out there when people don't change and you kind of keep living that same old life. And you may have heard them before, but one is, don't tell me that you moved if you keep, I keep finding you at your old address. Or if you want something that you never had, then be willing to do something that you've never done. Or if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. We have a bad habit of keep doing the same things we always said we're not going to do again, over and over again. And God says, I'll give you the strength. I'll help you. But you have to submit. You have to say, I'm off the altar, God, and you're on it. You pinpoint me what needs to change. There's a world of fools out there. You need to stand out and not be one. You can be the one that's different by not being a fool. But you have to ask yourself, who's fooling who here? Fools don't know God. Fools don't need God. And fools definitely don't understand God. They have a misconception of it. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When I first came to Christ, February 28, 1993, we would be in church and we would sing this old hymn. And there's times, you know, I had a time this morning where I will tell you I had to redo all my makeup because some days it just seems like God just, just brings everything to mind, all the things that you've, kind of been saved from and, you know, out of, and it just is so humbling. 
But we would sing the song and say, um, search my heart, God. Look deep within my soul. See if there be anything at all that might keep me from knowing you, keep me from seeing you, keep me from loving you. That is powerful. When you'd ask God to look into your heart, because he can. He looks into our brains. He looks into our heart. He sees our motives. He sees our, everything that goes on inside of us. And he says, I can pinpoint what it is that you're putting in place of me. So the thing is, he says, when we seek him first, all other things can be given to us. The problem, though, is when it gets out of order, we lose everything. We can lose everything. If you keep him on the altar, you take yourself off of it, that's when God comes and does amazing things in your life. And when we, do, when we have this happen, we can live a life that, is amazing. A life that's knowing God and having a God that sustains us no matter what goes on. You know, we can read a Bible. We can really start to, to seek God and we can see the nature of God and who God is and how much he really does love us and care for us. And the fact that we have a God that loved us so close that he actually collects our tears in a bottle. When you were young, growing up, and you ever cried, he says, God noticed. God notice. God collects our tears. He's that close to you. He's paying attention to that much to your pain and your struggles. That's the God we serve. See, the problem is what we have is this conception. Fools tell you all the time that, no, 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 no. God is just an old man living in the clouds. He's far distant from you. And I'm telling you here today, that's not the case. We have a God that hears your thoughts. And then when you say, God, I'm in pain, he's like, I'm right there with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be part of your life. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Quit boasting about what you have and boast only about what God has given you. So I really want to end with the idea today to really look into your own heart. Look into your own spirit, your mind, your heart, and think, what is it that I constantly put in place before God? When I get up, what's my priority? What are the things that I'm holding on to? What are the things that distract me? What causes me to trip up in my relationship with God? And really ask God to help you lay that down. Lay that down to the altar and really just start putting him above everything else. That's what he wants. I'd like you to do that today. Just stop and think. Just stop and think. What, what is there? What, what are you doing? And I know it's, there's a lot of young kids out there, and don't feel bad, parents. We all get it. We understand. We all went through those moments. All of us did when little kids cry, and you think that everybody thinks it's just you. It's like we've all gone through it. No big deal when kids cry. And get upset. But I do want to pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity to really respond to God. To really respond to God, and if it's something that you know that you have put in place of him, really, to not really, like, you don't have to come up and lay it at the altar, but really in your own mind, that God, I give you this. I'm going to let you take over this area of my life because I've withheld it from you. So let me pray for you guys, okay? Well, Heavenly Father, I do thank you. I thank you that you love us so much that you want to have a close relationship with us and that you desire to be so close, that you hear our thoughts and that you hear our heart. 
I pray, Jesus, that you would help each person that's here, Lord, to really know what it is that you want from them. And, Lord, search in their hearts. Help them to see, Lord God, the things that might keep them from seeing you and knowing you and loving you. I pray, Father, that you would help them to really draw near to you today. Let me just ask each one of you guys out there, while you guys keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's something that maybe has touched you today and you're thinking, yeah, I, I withhold this from God. This is just between you and God, no one's looking, but if you would, just raise your hand if you think that there has been something that you put in place before God, if you would just respond and let God see that you're willing to lay it down for him, if you would just raise your hands. I see your hands all around the place. That's what we need to do. It's just called submission. It's just this idea that we actually let God see our willingness to come closer. Let me pray for each one of you guys. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I just pray that each person that lifted their hands, Lord, that you just really show them, Lord, those things. And help them each day when they get up, each day, Lord, just to lay that at your, your feet, Lord. And help them to get strong in their faith and help them to walk closer to you. And Lord, we're thankful that you are a God that loves and forgives. And I just pray, Father, for each person here, Lord, that they would come to know you in a real way and feel you. Our Lord, I just pray that you would continue again to pour your blessing upon every one of these children that were really dedicated to you today. I pray that you would bless them with protection and, and guard their lives, Lord. We're thankful for the promises you give us. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless this day. Bless each person that's here. And we're thankful for all the things you do for us, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.